Thank you for that, Kevin. Together, we will begin at the top of our bulletin, which includes the music for our opening Thank you. 
we continue together in our bulletin. You are no longer strangers and sojourners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Lord, open our lips and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. Alleluia. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia, the Lord is risen indeed. Come, let us adore him. Psalm 95. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for the rock, for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the caverns of the earth and the heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his for he made it and his hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee and kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today you would hearken to his voice. Psalm 45, 11 through 18. Hear, O daughter, consider and listen closely. Forget your people and your father's house. The king will have pleasure in your beauty. He is your master, therefore do him honor. The people of Tyre are here with a gift. The rich among the people seek your favor. All glories is the princess as she enters. Her gown is cloth of gold. In embroidered apparel, she is brought to the king. After her, the bridesmaids follow in procession. With joy and gladness, they are brought and enter into the palace of the king. In place of fathers, O king, you shall have sons. You shall make them princes over all the earth. I will make your name to be remembered from one generation to another. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Glory to the Father, and, and to, to the, the Son, Son and, and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit as it was in the beginning, beginning is now, and will, will be forever. forever. Amen. Amen. A Song of Creation Glorify the Lord, all you works of the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. In the firmament of his power, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Glorify the Lord, you angels and all powers of the Lord. O heavens and all waters above the heavens, sun and moon and stars of the sky, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Glorify the Lord every shower of rain and fall of dew, 
all winds and fire and heat, winter and summer, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Glorify the Lord, O chill and cold, drops of dew and flakes of snow, frost and cold, ice and sleet, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Glorify the Lord, O nights and days, O shining light and enfolding dark, storm clouds and thunderbolts, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Let us glorify the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. In the firmament of his power, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. A reading from Genesis chapter 24. The servant said to Laban, I'm Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become wealthy. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female slaves, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and he has given him all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I live, but you shall go to my father's house, to my kindred, and get a wife for my son. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you will only make successful the way I'm going. I'm standing here by the spring of water. Let the young woman who comes out to draw, to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink. And who will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew. I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will also water your camels. So I drank, and she also watered the camels. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahar's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to obtain the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you will deal loyally and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn either to the right hand or to the left. And they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? She said, I will. So they sent away their sister Rebecca and her nurse along with Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, may you, our sister, become thousands of myriads. May your offspring gain possession of the gates of their foes. Then Rebecca and her maids rose up, mounted the camels, and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebecca and went his way. 
Now, Isaac had come from Berlehairoi and was settled in the Negev. Isaac went out in the evening to walk in the fields, and looking up, he saw camels coming. And Rebekah looked up, and when she saw Isaac, she slipped quickly from the camel and said to the servant, Who is the man over there walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. He took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading, the Song of Zechariah. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty savior, born of the house of his servant, David. Through his holy prophets, he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship with him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. My child shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading, Romans. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self. But I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? 
Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, to be to God. Together we will join in singing our gospel acclamation. reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus said to the crowd, to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. A few weeks ago, I realized I would be preaching on the day after the 4th of July. When I realized what that meant, I was filled with dread. It is a painful and difficult time to be an American. And as a non-American, I wondered, where do I fit in in these ongoing conversations? Like many people in this congregation, white Americans, and really, all other non-Black and non-Latino and non-Indigenous people all over the country are re-examining their systems, their myths, their histories, and truly re-examining what it means to be an American. To quote Viet Thanh Nguyen, author of Pulitzer winning The Sympathizer, 
in an op-ed addressed to Asian Americans, many Americans are learning what it means to claim all of America, to claim its hope and its hypocrisy, its profit and its pain, its liberty and its losses, its imperfect union and its ongoing segregation. It is a tremendous undertaking requiring humility, grace, and courage, but also true repentance, a commitment to justice and reparations, and a working vision for the future that includes all persons. I am wary of broaching what this future could be because I am a Canadian citizen with a Filipino mother and I spent the first 18 years of my life in Japan. I came to America when I was 18 to pursue higher education, but stayed because I fell in love with and later married an American. For many reasons, I am content to remain a permanent resident alien in this country. Therefore, I am not personally invested, at least not in the same way that those who are American by birth or those who choose to become American as adults are in the future of what America is becoming. I strongly feel that it is not my place to do the work of, Amer of imagining America's future. But I want to listen and I'm honored to be a witness to this historic reckoning. So even though I am wary because I am not at all comfortable telling Americans what they should aspire to be, I nonetheless believe the scriptures have something to say to all of us as Christians. The scriptures have a lot to say to those of us who are in positions of power. They have words of rebuke, words of challenge, but also words of comfort, redemption, and hope. The scriptures also have a lot to say to those of us who are oppressed. And I want to acknowledge that even though we are a mostly white congregation, there are those of us who may be experiencing the traumas of racism and our scriptures has also has words for them. Words of solidarity, words of compassion and promises of justice. So may we all be blessed with hearts to receive and have ears to hear. When Jesus preached about the kingdom of heaven, he was not talking about a reformed Rome, nor was Jesus really talking about a new Israel that was going to usher in the good old days of King David. Yes, Jesus is very critical of Roman occupation of Palestine, and the Gospel of Mark in particular is full of not-so-subtle criticisms of Rome and full of promises for the liberation of the Jewish people. However, Jesus is also critical of Jewish communities and Jewish leaders that have aligned themselves with Roman power and have abandoned the very heart of Jewish law. They have abandoned the covenant which requires the descendants of Israel to love God and to love their neighbor in or they abandoned the law to love God and love their neighbor in order to experience power, wealth, and prestige. In loving our neighbor, we not only love our community members, but it is heavily implied that we must love the stranger among us as well. According to one rabbi, Meklita Rabbi Yishmael, the word stranger or Hebrew word ger 
is a term used to refer to not only resident aliens, but hearkens to the time when Israel was enslaved in Egypt. In Exodus 3, 9, God commands the Israelites, you shall not wrong or oppress the Ger, thinking that none can save him from your hands. For you know that you were Gerim in the land of Egypt. And I saw the oppression with which Egypt oppressed you. Ger is also used to refer to all those who were oppressed and without comforters in Ecclesiastes, and for those who are in the hands of those who are stronger than they in Psalm 35. It is used time and time again to refer to orphans and, window, and, and widows and for all those who are in bondage. Moreover, Meklita to Rabbi Ishmael further points out that God does not have mercy on the oppressed due to the merits, but solely on the account of their oppression. Unlike humans, God, and God does not ask if the poor and the oppressed have lived virtuous lives before deciding to show mercy on them. God sees their wretchedness and is angry on their behalf and is compelled to show mercy because that is how God's justice operates. In our gospel reading for today, verses 20 through 25 are missing. In Matthew 11, 20 through 25, Jesus rebukes three Jewish cities known for their extravagant and are full of strangers who are not cared for properly according to Jewish law. In these cities, Jesus performs amazing miracles of healing as a way of fulfilling the covenant that these cities have failed to keep. And in doing so, Jesus not only fulfills the law, but also fulfills God's promise for the kingdom of heaven. By feeding the hungry and healing the sick, Jesus restores the broken community and expects those in power to maintain the work that he has done. Unfortunately, the people of these cities do not repent. They go back to their old ways and they do not follow God's commands to care for the stranger. So Jesus says, woe to you, it will be more tolerable in Hades for Sodom than it will be for you. And I'd like to make a quick side note. Many Christians for centuries have interpreted the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah to be indicators of God's judgment against homosexuality. But a close reading of the text and understanding of God's care and love for oppressed peoples evident in the Torah makes clear the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah has everything to do with the failure to uphold Jewish law, to care for the stranger, to care for the most vulnerable, and it has nothing to do with sexuality. End of note. Sodom and Gomorrah are the biblical archetypal cities of lawlessness. They are known for violence and gross iniquity and for large communities of poor and communally vulnerable people. So these cities Jesus condemns are even worse than what one would normally imagine. And unless they repent, Jesus warns that their divine comeuppance will also defy the imagination. Many of us love Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, 
all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I know even in my own life, this verse or these verses have given me great comfort in times of personal distress. However, we do this verse a disservice when we consistently take it out of context because we miss the challenge and rebuke in the verses preceding it. In the beginning of our gospel reading in Matthew 11, 16 through 19, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees for their needs of extra signs signaling that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. He calls their questions childish and implies they are petulant in their stubborn refusal to listen to his message. And he says they are no different than those who did not listen to the prophets before them. Jesus even goes to call out their tendency to slander prophets as a way to diminish their message. And after condemning these three cities, Jesus offers a new insight into understanding Jewish law. Jesus, like the prophets before him, and like God who spoke through them all, abhors injustice and has made clear time and time again that God's wisdom and what God's desire for the Jewish community is. The yoke Jesus talks about is none other than the Torah, the covenant between the Jewish people and God. God will rescue them from all forms of oppression and be their God, and the Jewish community will follow the laws of God gave them to promote human flourishing. This flourishing includes even the stranger among them. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 is not so much about our need for God, but God's longing for us and for God's longing for us to follow God's commands, to love our neighbor and to love the least among us. Jesus tells the Pharisees and those with ears to hear to shed our love for worldly cares and possessions and to follow his way, to take upon his commands, because that is what will give our souls rest. God offers the yoke to both the powerful and the powerless, because what God wants is the flourishing of all. In our gospel reading, we hear words of great warning. Cities and entire communities, not just individuals, who do not repent of their failure to care for the stranger, will receive a divine comeuppance far worse than anyone could imagine. Jesus understands these failures to be a collective failing rather than in rebuking individuals in power. If condemnation is collective, so too is salvation. We hear of God's great love for the entire Jewish community and for God's desire to be in relationship with a people who loves God's commands. Jesus invokes a covenant that transcends any human one and imagines a kingdom in which no child of God experiences poverty, violence, hunger, or neglect, because the entire community 
of God's beloved has been voluntarily yoked to God. Being yoked to God is by no means easy. Our reading in Romans today illustrates just how difficult it is. Paul says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Paul knows what the laws of God require of him, but he is frustrated and despairs over his inability to live up to them. From there, Paul discusses the struggle between the impulse to do what he knows in his heart of hearts is right and his inclination to do what is wrong because of cultural conditioning and impulses he cannot seem to control. The law of God is the innate knowing of every human being what is good, of what is just, and the law of evil or the law of the flesh are the inevitable human trappings that we all find ourselves in. When I read Romans, I cannot help but reflect on the ongoing national conversation about racism. Americans all over the country right now are asking themselves, how did we get here? How could we let it get this way? How was I complicit? How was I complacent? How was I blind? Americans all over the country are horrified by the extent of violence against the black community. But at the same time, they know that they too had a part in letting the violence persist for far too long. Many are probably like Paul saying, I do not understand my own actions for I do not do what I want but I do the very thing I hate. For many white Americans, the very thing I hate is the perpetuation of systems and ideas that oppress people of color, even though in their heart of hearts, they truly desire and want the flourishing of all people, especially the flourishing of black people. The good news is that we are not condemned to remain stuck doing the things we hate. And we are not destined to remain captive to these impulses forever. We can unlearn our cultural trappings and we can undo the mental, spiritual and cultural snares we inevitably find ourselves in. In the following chapter of Romans, in Romans 8, Paul says, to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For Paul, the spirit is Jewish law. It is the yoke of the covenant, and in it is implied a lifetime of commitment and recommitting to the central tenets of God's law. For Jewish communities, there are ritual communal recommitments, and these are formally practiced by observing Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. For us Christians, we do this corporately and liturgically when we reaffirm our baptismal vows whenever someone is baptized, confirmed, ordained, and on Easter Sunday. However, even though we formally renew our vows, maybe only a few times a year, Paul urges us to think of renewing our vows 
and commitment to renounce evil as an ongoing practice. Salvation is not a once in a lifetime event, but a lifetime of reorienting towards God and a lifetime of recommitting to repentance. We will forever be engaged in the battle to do what is right and to renounce evil. But after years of practice with the support of a like-minded community and with God's help, individual and communal salvation is indeed possible. So too it is with individual and systemic racism. If we are to free ourselves from the trappings of it, we must commit ourselves to the daily work of dismantling our cultural, spiritual, and mental trappings. We are lucky in that we do not have to figure out how to do this work from scratch. As many people and communities have gone before us to lay down the groundwork. Moreover, the Episcopal Church in 2016 offered a response to the Charleston shootings of nine black churchgoers at Emmanuel AMC by sharing the Becoming Beloved community, which is an outline of a journey grounded in our baptismal covenant so that all people can follow Jesus and take on his yoke to love God, love our neighbor, and to especially love the stranger. The Episcopal Church invites us on a journey to tell the truth about the church and race. We will persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord. To proclaim the dream of becoming the beloved community, we will proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ. To practice the way of love, we will seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving our neighbors as ourselves and to repairing the breach in society and institutions. We will strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being. In committing to this journey of repentance, we follow the law of the spirit and we will find life and we will find peace. However, if we persist in our refusal to repent, we not only become captive to the laws of sin and death, our scriptures remind us of the ultimate consequences of our collective failure to address iniquity, a divine punishment more horrible than what we would normally imagine. But for those who choose to tell the truth, proclaim the dream of beloved community, practice the way of love and repair the breaches in our church, in this nation and our world, our Lord says to them, come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And may we all say to this invitation, I will with God's help. Amen.
We continue together in our bulletin professing our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you and also with you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We are going to have at this time. Before we do that, I want to remind you all of the ways in which you can continue to support our community. I can get my screen correct here. Um, we have established a way for you to give online, uh, either through our website or through text to give. Um, this is how we continue to do our ministry, continue to provide live streaming uh, to support the staff and uh, build up the kingdom of God. So please join me in supporting our community as we enjoy an offertory from our musicians today.
we continue together on in our bulletin Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us, and grant your, us salvation. your salvation. Clothe your ministers with righteousness. Let your people sing with joy. Let your people sing with joy. Give peace, O Lord, in all the world. For only in you can we safety. Lord, keep this nation under your care. And guide us in the way of justice and truth. Let your way be known upon earth your saving health among all nations. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten. Nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God. And sustain us with your Holy Spirit. O God, you've taught us to keep all your commandments by loving you and our neighbor. Grant us the grace of your Holy Spirit, that we may be devoted to you with our whole heart and united to one another with pure affection. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. O God, you make us glad with the weekly remembrance of the glorious resurrection of your Son, our Lord. Give us this day such blessing through our worship of you, that the week to come may be spent in your favor. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the cares and occupations of our life, we may not forget you, but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Dave, you're still muted. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Grant, almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours, especially those with birthdays this week, Alwyn Dimmick, Claire Velovich, Carlos Obando, Jenny Stewart, Jillian Barlow, Steve Shelton, Rob Philbrick, Larry Morris, Dan Madigan, and Matthew Sims. Grant that we may serve Christ in them, 
and love one another as he loves us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit, especially those on the Emmanuel prayer list. Betsy Eason, Niall Clark, Rob Gamber, Diane Goodman, Lorna Hamill, Joyce Hedges, Hannah Hooper, Kathy Klein, Peter Mackenheimer, Michael Miller, Sue Rawlings, Karen Rowley, Ron Smith, Vicki Smith, Don Snow, Lillian Snow, William Victory, Bob Hayward, Michael Wandell, Julie Wiegand, and Peter Wiley. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We commend to your mercy all who have died, especially Gail Wollston, Reverend John Allen, Richard Hall, and Katie Hayward, that your will for them may be fulfilled. We pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We lift up in our prayers the repose of the soul of Bob Mooney. We give thanksgiving for Julie's eighth birthday, for a compassionate and beautiful homily, for beautiful music offerings, and prayers of peace and comfort. We pray for the women killed and in the other and in critical injured during the Black Women's March here in Seattle. We lift up the many prayers spoken and unspoken in our hearts and minds. And we gather our prayers together. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross, that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen. Together we pray the general thanksgiving. Almighty God, Amen. Heavenly Amen. Father, Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, we, we your unworthy servants, give you thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life but above all for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts, we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service, 
and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you've promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come, life everlasting. Amen. Together we will join in a closing hymn. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you.